How has your world of asset servicing changed in 2020? Thank you very much for joining us on this episode of the VX Insight podcast, where we're going to be covering off the key findings from our Asset Servicing Innovation Survey, which we ran in September and October this year with Broadridge, ISSA, ASIFMA, the Network Forum and Global Custodian to highlight and understand how the market is dealing with a perfect storm of change in our industry at the moment. We've got regulation, we've got market change, and of course we've got COVID, all putting new pressures on our corporate actions in a way that we've never had before. If you'd like to download the key findings, please go to thevalueexchange.co slash asset servicing innovation so that you can read and follow as we go through this podcast. So thank you all very much for joining us on this VX Insight podcast. I'm really excited today to be talking through the results of our Asset Servicing Innovation Survey. We've got some fantastic insights coming up from Mike Thrower of Broadridge and Colin Parry from ISSA. But before we jump in, I'm just going to walk through five or six of the key statistics from the survey just to be able to set the scene for Mike and Colin to then follow up on. So, corporate actions and asset servicing in 2020. I think the headline statistic really is that 60% of us are paying out more than $2 million a year in corporate actions payouts. That's pretty hard to think of any area of the organization where we're continuing to pay out such huge amounts of money, but also uh, to be carrying such an enormous uh, hidden cost in our organizations in terms of the amount of extra work that we're doing and also the amount of risk that we're passing on to our customers. What's interesting is when we try to look at where the problem is, it's not entirely clear when you speak to different parts of the organization who is at the heart of this. CEOs think that 95% of their corporate actions are automated, whilst operations teams and back offices see the level as closer to 40%. And so it's not really clear that the organization in the abstract has a good handle on where this issue really is has its heart. And equally, it's not really clear across mandatory events, voluntary events, and income events where the gravity is centered. In APAC, mandatory events are hardest, income events are hardest in Europe, and voluntary events are hardest in North America. So there's not really one center of the problem, but it is absolutely clear that manual areas and manual errors are the biggest problem that we face across all the activities and event types causing 28% of the payouts that we're making in our industry today and resulting in a lot of extra hours worked and, as I said, some serious customer impact. Now, that's all what we brought into 2020, but 2020 is unique in as much as it's given us a whole bunch of new challenges. SRD2 and CSDR have been hugely important in terms of transforming the latency and the structure of our communications all the way through from uh, companies through to investors and back again. But also, uh, COVID has totally changed the behavior of a lot of the corporate action flow that we see even today. So corporate actions this in 2020 are behaving differently. They're coming at us in faster volumes. They're more complex and they're less predictable than they've ever been before. And so the real question off the back of that is we bring in a lot of challenges into this year. We've suddenly seen a lot of changes this year. So what are we doing about it? Now, what's really encouraging is that everyone from the front to the back office sees that system transformation is the way forward in response to just about every regulation um, and market dynamic. Uh, system change is basically is seen to be the answer. 
And that's driving about a 10% change in corporate action investment and budgets in 2021, really focusing primarily on risk reduction, future proofing, and the elimination of headcount and, and manual risk. But it's not entirely all about system automation. There's a warning flag in here that 15% of the market still sees robotics and RPA as, as a short-term answer. And so one of the questions that's going to be great to dig into is, what is the balance between short-term and long-term solutions in a space that is so risk-averse and obviously where one small error can cost literally millions of dollars? Whatever path we choose, one of the key points of the survey is that we can't do this on our own. Industry standards, upstream automation and regulatory clarity have all been highlighted as particular challenges that each of us face externally in realizing our automation in the corporate action space. And so whilst we have many, many inputs into the business case, one of the big challenges is how to make meaningful progress to take an urgent problem that's just got more urgent in 2020 and turn it into a solution that is safe, robust, and that ultimately protects our end customers and our end shareholders to the highest possible degree. So those are the key stats. So jumping straight in, one of the points that I opened with was this question about where the corporate action problem is and the many viewpoints and perspectives on that. Mike, what's your take in terms of where you see the challenge across the industry in, in the corporate action space? Thanks, Barney. And uh, yeah, thanks very much for all your work on uh, you know, putting together this, uh, this research. I think it's a, a great contribution to developing the market's understanding, really, of the, the problems that we have as an industry with we corporate actions. As in most things in life, actually, the, the most important step in solving a problem is to first acknowledge that problem, to try and frame the problem. I think one of the things that I'd really sort of point out uh, in the survey is quite a wide divergence, really, in the perception from, as you said, from CEOs and business leaders to uh, operations teams that are actually at the sharp end of, of corporate actions. And it seems like those who are actually uh, on the work face of corporate actions uh, you know, have clearly a, a deeper, better understanding of the problem. And I think you know, what the survey really highlights is that folks in technology and operations really need to better articulate and frame the problem. And I think that you know, the survey gives a, a lot of pointers as to how uh, senior leaders in operations and technology may be able to do a better job of actually framing what the challenge actually is here. So uh, I think a, a great step forward in, in framing the problem, I'd recommend anybody that's actively involved in, uh, in corporate actions to uh, download the survey and, uh, and compare you know, the findings against your own organization's uh, experience. Absolutely. And Colin, what, what's your take? I mean, you've got you know, lots of experience at the cliff face. What's your view from the ISSA perspective? <laughs> Thank you, Barney. The first thing that struck me was the fact that two CEOs responded to the survey. That, to me, clearly shows us a problem. If corporate actions are on the CEO agenda, it rates as one of the top things they're dealing with. And despite loving my old corporate actions team at the coalface, this cannot be a good thing. So I've been involved with corporate actions for about 15 years and went into the uh, survey thinking the problems were really about voluntary events and the complexity and interaction of fails and SBL are on the entitlements. Then I dug into the data. I found it understandable 
that 30% of the respondents have needs in the area of position keeping and maintenance. And that probably really plays into my earlier point about fails in SBL. And then 27% had needs in shareholder governance, participation and voting. And that just wasn't on my personal radar. So playing back to Mike's point about acknowledging you've got a problem in the first place, I think it is quite important that we do note that problems are wider than you may start thinking they are. The other thing that I found fascinating is we're spending about 20% of time of the corporate actions team sourcing data. And this is the 2020s. I just can't believe we're spending that much time sourcing data as an industry. And then the final point I'd like to make here was the level of automation. Extremely variable. 90% at the brokers, and that, that's sort of what I remember from my old days, but 30% on the buy side. And then more in, interestingly from that was the buy side feel that they're more efficient at voluntary events versus mandatory events. And again, I find that very odd given the fact that the mandatory events should just happen in the 21st century. Clearly, what we're talking about here with corporate actions is a very complex ecosystem. You know, there, there are a large number and quite a diverse number of intermediaries really sitting between uh, issuers and, and investors and managing that sort of workflow. You know, sell-side firms, asset management firms, custodians, uh, financial market infrastructures, and everybody has a key role to play in that. And so I think part of the challenge is, is that it's not just within your own organization that you have to solve problems, but you're actually trying to solve a process that uh, is sitting with a, within a complex interdependent ecosystem. And so I think that uh, surveys like this and, and getting you know, the industry to actually talk through the problem really is key to actually solving the end-to-end challenge of, uh, of corporate actions. And so what do we think then in terms of the actual, the core issues. I mean, where do we see the centre of of, of, these, of the corporate action problem in terms of activities um, and, and kind of root issues, if you like? So to my mind, the core issues that come from the survey are highlighted on the graphic on page 10. And, and I do think it's a really clear graphic. So if, if I just go through them in order, although the graphic gives you three categories, effectively it's the same problem around data. It's either poor, late, or erroneous. The next thing that came out strongly was system capability limitations. So over the years, a number of people have put together a diverse range of systems, uh, you know, particularly as people added traded options and the like. The needs for corporate action data to permeate through the organization increased, and those have often been done on a bit of a shoestring and a bit of a budget. And so that that comes through as the second thing. Automation between the participants and the FMIs and the participants themselves plays back to your earlier point, I think, Mike, on that. But how do we automate and standardize those flows is one of the problems I've got. The regional variations preventing standardization, which I think is something that ISSA has talked to a number of times, uh, and can we harmonize those? And then over-reliance on manual, including paper processes. 
And we've seen that particularly through COVID with the wet signature problems and, you know, making people turn up to AGMs, et cetera, to vote. And then the final problem really is, is the regulatory change agenda that comes through. So I thought that was a great diagram. And what those things are driven by is a combination of physical processes, the complexity of events, which has, to my mind, increased significantly over the years as the corporate finance guys have thought of more and more complicated ways to give people optionality. And then delays in payment and settlement. And again, we saw during COVID a number of dividends being announced and then subsequently delayed. And then the increase of SBL and arbitrage activity, uh, which we've seen across the market. I think uh, Colin really sort of hits the the, the nail on the head there. And I think that COVID and the work from home environment really has highlighted the challenges with those those manual processes. And why do we have manual processes? I I guess we have manual processes because automation really cannot uh, handle the sort of complexity of some of the uh, corporate actions that are coming down the pipe. And so I think the need to move towards to to, to standardization really is critical. And so I think steps like ISO 20022 are are really sort of positive in in that regard. But as Colin said, we, we still find corporate actions that have as many as 40 elective options. You know, oftentimes corporate actions require legal opinion to resolve. Uh, we find offering documents are cumbersome and lengthy and complex. These subjects are really difficult to uh, to automate. And so I think that you know, a lot of the industry needs to have a look at how do we simplify and, and standardize the messaging and the dialogue between all these different intermediaries. And I think that, that will uh, will drive a, a lot of efficiency in the future. Yeah, I mean, it's very clear from what you guys are saying that there's a whole ecosystem play here. You've got many problems that kind of heap on top of each other that prevent, as you say, Mike, any degree of meaningful automation. And as a result, they tend to push people at the moment towards EUCs, spreadsheets, and that kind of thing, where basically people are just trying to reduce risk where they can, but without really actually changing the, the, the major fundamentals around paper processes, around what comes out of the FMIs, what comes out per region and that kind of thing. How was that changing then? I mean, we we come into this year, as I said, in terms of a lot of challenges, a lot of EUCs, a lot of spreadsheets. What are we seeing in terms of responses to these changes and these challenges in 2020? What we're seeing from the data is that the right responses are coming to the fore. If you look at page 14 of the deck I referenced earlier, it shows the industry is responding either via transformation or by increased IT development. This is to address regulatory changes, SRD2, CSDR, uh, and the adoption of ISO 222. Uh, And these are definitely the right actions to be taking. Yeah, I think, Colin, it's it's quite clear that corporate actions is a a really hot topic, as as this survey really highlights. And so we're pretty much engaged with almost all of our clients um, across capital markets, really, as far as solving the uh, corporate actions challenge. And I I think that functions like event capture and and data scrubbing, to some extent, they're they're table stakes. What clients are are looking to Broadridge for really is is to try and automate some of the uh, the complexity 
And so when it comes to some of the more complex aspects of corporate actions, areas like prime brokerage or derivatives of complex structured products that that feed off uh, corporate actions, firms are really leaning on uh, Broadridge to actually provide the the more complex aspects. I, I think that some of the simpler pieces have been solved. I think that to some extent, regulation can be quite a positive driver for for transformation. I think the Shareholder Rights Directive and CSDR, uh, I think they have and they will actually drive adoption of of new processes and new technologies. We're embracing DLT blockchain technology for our Shareholder Rights Directive functionality. And so I think that to some extent, we can use regulation actually as as a real driver for uh, investing in newer, better technology to address some of these uh, these challenges. You know, Broadridge are investing tens of millions of dollars in innovation to uh, to meet this challenge. And certainly that echoes, I think, a lot of the anecdotal feedback that we've had following on from the research around prime and structured products as being very, very, very messy and very high risk from a, from a processing perspective, sitting alongside exactly, as you said, the data sourcing part as the areas that seem to be getting the most attention from a change perspective. And as you rightly said, there's some great technology out there now to be able to bring new answers to that that we never had before. Maybe on that technology point, I mean, where do we find that, you know, technology is being deployed and, and, and ultimately, are we up to the chat? Are we seeing the, 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 the right level of change from, from through our own eyes at the moment? Um, uh, to be honest, Barney, I have been here before. Um, but personally, I actually do believe this is now the time for action. And the data suggests that all 131 respondents are taking on the need to change systems. Uh, 20 are thinking about the future and looking how they integrate with APIs and DLT at the same time. And a number are hedging the need for speed uh, of the IT delivery timelines uh, by adding heads, sourcing uh, and using RPA. So I I think it feels to me that most people are understanding that it's time to invest. Yes, I think the survey points to it being a, a real priority. You know, the survey really points to the fact that you know, senior operations and, and technology folks really need to articulate and, and define the problem. And I think the survey helps in that regard. Uh, it was only last month that you know, one of the largest custodians announced uh, you know, publicly a $43 million loss as a result of a, uh, a manual problem with a, with a corporate action. So uh, if this isn't a real priority, it really should be. I think that uh, you know, with the investment that firms like Broadridge are putting into this, and now's the time to really invest and, uh, and think about, uh, about change in the, in the corporate action space. What does the answer look like from a deployment perspective? Because, I'm, you know, at the end of the day, one of the biggest challenges that's come through is uh, about, about the whole system transformation piece is the Big Bang is, as always, very risky, very expensive to deploy. Is this a journey or is this just a kind of a, a big jump to, a, to an end state destination, do we think? It's definitely a, a journey, right? And, and obviously... I'm in danger of talking my own book as the ISSA CEO, but I certainly believe the industry should be working together to drive solutions. ISSA is doing this on a daily basis, but we are always looking for firms to help drive the working groups and either add velocity to the output or expand the output. We have a corporate action and proxy voting working group, which is focused on the issues highlighted by the pandemic, AGMs, wet signatures, etc., and it's also dealing with beneficial owner disclosure 
and proxy voting. So I think they are relevant areas for the industry to focus on together. At Broadridge, we're, we're actively supporting all sorts of bodies like ISA um, in, in trying to move this agenda forward. You know, we think that standards and a common understanding is is critical to actually helping the industry move to a better place in terms of uh, corporate actions. But as well, I think it, it really is incumbent upon you know each individual organisation, sell side, buy side, market infrastructures to actually frame the problem effectively. And, and so I think that uh, yeah, the survey really goes a long way to creating a better narrative around how do you create a business case for, uh, for making change. It's a journey, but the first move that everybody makes is a really critical move. And you know, we're working with a lot of clients on, on that journey. So very exciting times. I think your points are fantastically clear and, and, you know, there is almost no chance of us getting there on our own. This is it's a great time for us and a great time for Broadridge, both sitting right in the middle of the market and being able to actually take the, the components of the business case that we flushed out in the survey and to turn it into actionable outcomes and improvements in the market. Everything that you've highlighted around processes, the data variances, the challenges, no one organization can fix them. And I think that that kind of collaborative sense is going to be an absolute key to this. As part of this project, this is entirely about turning research into outcomes. And so we have working sessions with ISA, we've got working sessions with ASIFMA in Asia, we've got working sessions with Broadridge and your clients. For anyone listening who wants to take this out of abstract research and into reality, it's worth reaching out to ISA, Broadridge, ASIFMA and the other partners to really to make sure that this does become a conversation and a a point where we can really work together to actually to get the right outcomes on this. So for anyone that's listening, please do download the key findings at thevalueexchange.co. Reach out to ISA, reach out to Broadridge, to ISIFMA, Global Custodian, the Network Forum, and, and be part of this conversation. And if you have any questions, I'm sure Mike, Colin will be, will be fantastically willing and able to, uh, to enlighten you further on, on what more can be done. So thank you very, very much, guys. I really appreciate you making the time to set this out as clearly as you have. Thank you, Bonnie. Thank you, Bonnie. Pleasure. Thank you, guys. All the best. Thanks very much for joining us on this episode of the VX Insight podcast. And I really hope that the conversation that we've just had is giving you fresh insights that you can use to turn your corporate actions into a fantastic, highly efficient center for the future. Please do download the key findings from the valueexchange.co slash asset servicing innovation. Reach out to us if you have any questions and join us for our next episode of the VX Insight podcast soon. 